Good morning, everyone. It's our first reading from the Book of Wisdom, from the Wisdom Liturgy uh, uh, literature. Uh, we are told about God. God created everything, and everything that He created, He loves. And there is nothing that exists then that he loathes. And um, in this, uh, we hear this truth about the Father. And uh, he goes on to say, like a grain of sand, uh, a grain of sand, uh, it's an interesting thing. It uh, was a little, uh, they would use it to help balance the scales when they were measuring out things. But uh, in this first reading, we hear that um, our world and our universe is like a grain of sand compared to the vastness of God. What's amazing about it is that when this book was written, they had no concept about universes. There was only the earth, the sun, and the moon, and they saw some stars. And yet, um, the author uh, speaks about um, our world is but a grain of sand compared to what he has done. Even more importantly, he talks about the very spirit of God being in his creation. Uh, if you will, the breath of life could be one way of understanding it, uh, that spark of divinity, which is in all of his creation, in particular us, because we are made in his image, and Jesus testifies to that by becoming human, like us in all things but sin. Because that spark of the divine is within us, um, we are greatly loved by him. And even more amazing is what it says, that God overlooks sins, not because he doesn't care and it doesn't mean anything, but we're in a time of grace. The hope is that we humans will have a conversion, have a transformation, give up our wicked ways, and have life. What Jesus says my Father desires the death of nothing. So these, it's an amazing reading. St. Paul uh, is dealing with something that's happened in his community. So my friends, what's happened in the community, uh, we would understand it as Christian missionaries have come into Thessalonica. And they are not teaching the truth. They're teaching their version. And this is what we're hearing Paul, on the one hand, he tells people, don't freak out. Don't lose your wits. One of the things he'll ask is that you stay together. That's what he's telling the community. Stay together. Be united. Be a community. Do not lose your wits about uh, the ones who have come in. And in particular, in this case, they are saying that Christ has already returned. But that can't be because... There's a very particular pattern of things that are to happen before, but also what happens when he does. And that hasn't happened, so uh, the people of Thessalonica are freaking out about it. And Paul says, put that aside. Um, my friends, the teaching for us is the same then. How do we apply this? We too must be careful when those people come into our Christian churches to try and tell us or to teach things that are not true, that are not of Scripture, that are not of the tradition, that are not of Jesus Christ, even if it's from someone who is already within the community. Mother Church has the teachings. We are to rely on those. 
And so Paul's teaching to that community applies even now to ours. To be careful, but not to freak out. The gospel gives us an example of how Jesus approaches different things. And um, Zacchaeus is a tax collector, uh, modern-day IRS agent. Uh, And he's not just a tax collector. He is the chief tax collector. And he works for the Roman Empire, which is an oppressive empire of the time, and they are oppressing the Jews. Zacchaeus is Jewish. He makes his living as a tax collector. He makes his living off of, he gets a commission. And what they felt about tax collectors, one, is probably the same way some people feel about IRS agents. (laughs) Tax collectors were put in the same categories as murderers and thieves. Furthermore, they worked, again, for the Romans. Uh, The Romans uh, were oppressive. Anyone who worked for the Romans were traitors and outcasts. So we understand how the people of Jericho perhaps are offended that Jesus, a holy man, would want to be with what they consider to be a sinner, Zacchaeus. And yet, he is going to. And throughout the scriptures, Jesus does this. He goes and seeks out what is lost, as the scriptures tell us. He goes and finds them and eats with them. It's the approach. Jesus justified his action by saying Zacchaeus also is a son of Abraham, descendant, meaning that God's love and mercy and compassion is for him too. No matter what they may think about him. And so Jesus justifies his actions, saying, I will go to his house and eat too because he is also a descendant of Abraham. He's a Jew, is what Jesus is saying. And he is entitled to the mercy and love and compassion of God as anyone else is. And he declared that Uh, He came to seek what was lost, and that Zacchaeus, um, he came for such a Zacchaeus. My friends, when I talk about the approach of Jesus, when it comes to the scriptures, you have to pay attention to the details. There's a detail about Zacchaeus. It said that, He ran ahead of everyone else and climbed a tree? Is that what it said? It said something more, didn't it? A particular type of tree, a sycamore tree. That is your first flag. What? He didn't just climb any old tree. He climbed a sycamore tree. So what is the sycamore tree to them? The sycamore tree is symbolic of faith. It is symbolic of transformation. So he climbs into the sycamore tree. He climbs into faith. He climbs, perhaps hoping for that transformation. Furthermore, and uh, Deacon Mikhail let me know that I was right on track, the sycamore tree has lots of curves and twists in its branches. makes it easier to climb. But if it's a symbol of faith, it tells us that faith 
there's no direct path on that faith, that sometimes it takes this way and that way. Jesus goes to Jericho, Jesus goes to Samaria. You see? So there's more happening. It says he fell out of, well, it doesn't say he fell out of the tree, it says he comes down quickly. Probably fell out of the tree. <laughs> because Jesus, he's hoping to see Jesus. He's curious about this man because he's heard much about him. He's compassionate, loving, he's just. He hopes to see Jesus. As the turn of events happen, Jesus sees him. Not only sees him, but knows his name. We can only imagine what Zacchaeus is thinking. Oh, did the people tell him about me? Because you know how they are. They hate him. Jesus says, come down from there. I'm going to have dinner with you. And we're told the community begins to gossip and grumble. Zacchaeus, we're told, comes down. And he meets Jesus with joy. That means he's not afraid of him. Should he be? I don't know. But he's not. Jesus' approach was not condemnation based on what the people have been saying about him. Jesus could see all of Zacchaeus. And also see that there was room for transformation. So he meets Jesus with joy. Normally, in these situations, Jesus has a parable that teaches something. There's no parable here. Here's the other observation. There's no parable. There's no condemnation from Jesus. There's simply compassion and love. One of the things that happened with Zacchaeus is that his community made him an outcast. He lived there. He would not leave. And I suspect he did not leave, not because his job was there, because he was Jewish and he loved his people. Jesus publicly, with a crowd around him, there's a great crowd around him who loved Jesus, and there's a great crowd around Zacchaeus that hate him. A contrast. And Jesus publicly acknowledges him, come down, I'm going to eat with you. And then Jesus doesn't put forth a, some kind of teaching. He allows Zacchaeus to defend himself. This only happens in Luke's gospel. And the story of Zacchaeus is only in Luke's gospel. This is one way of understanding it. Friend, that leads me to this interpretation. So the touched by kindness, no matter how we look at it, touched by the kindness and mercy and compassion of Jesus, Zacchaeus has a transformation from goodness to holiness. Jesus used his curiosity to draw him to himself. There's a teaching for the church. Do we hit people who are curious about the church with doctrine and theological principles? <laughs> or do we meet them with compassion and kindness, Christian charity? This is where community is very important. 
What does our community do when someone from the outside is looking? Do we meet them in friendship and love and then begin to teach? My friends, last night I wondered if St. Nicholas Catholic Church was no longer here, would we be missed? And the answer is yes. I heard it from the mayor, the former mayor. <laughs> if that church wasn't there, Father, no, 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 no. That was a different matter. But yes. So I think we're doing things, doing it properly. But my friends, um, last night I went out, I did, I went out all Bible study on the 530 Mass. And my teaching was not wrong. It was an alternate teaching and understanding. It was my approach. So Father Mark has still much to learn. I think, although some people said no, they didn't walk away scratching their heads. Some people, I could see the look on their face, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> How is this apply to me? <laughs> so I had a great headache about it, and I went to bed early, and when I woke up, I told some people, the image I woke up to was my guardian angel holding a sign, geek. <laughs> Thank you for the affirmation, guardian angel. So my friends, what I do for you, I do out of love as your pastor. I want you to understand the church's teaching and why she says what she says and why uh, she holds what she holds. But even more importantly, I want you to understand the scriptures. If you get bored, it's because you're not looking at them through the right lenses. And certainly translation is important. And my friends, I was fortunate to have a professor who taught us from the Greek translation. So what you heard today was the English translation of the gospel. He had the Greek translation. And the Greek translation is closer to the Aramaic. The English is closer to the Latin. This becomes important. Sometimes it's just little subtle things, and other times it's greater. So I'm going to give you the alternative. Now, I've approached it differently from last night. And if I still isn't working, then I will go back and I will learn. But the Greek translation of the gospel today is very different. First, uh, um, I just very playfully say this to you. Zacchaeus, we are told, is short in stature. He's a midget, probably is what they meant. But uh, is he also, there's a play on words. He is also in his community considered to be the least among them, the shortest, if you will, of them. But in the Greek, the way it's written, um, we presume that he is short, a short man, a midget, and that he has to climb the tree because of that, but uh, in fact, the way it's written, the he, the pronoun used is not necessarily specific to him. Could it be that in that he, they were referring to Jesus? Not that Jesus was a midget, but that the crowd who has surrounded him, the detail, he could not be seen because he was surrounded by the crowd. And Zacchaeus, in fact, is not short, but in order to see Jesus, he climbs the tree, not because he's a midget, 
You see, it's different. But because everyone's surrounding Jesus and he can't get a good look at him. A small observation can be a warning to us that whatever assumptions and prejudices we carry through our life and bring to our reading of Scripture, every physical stature brings its blessings as well as its need for assistance in dealing with our limitations, meaning we need to be careful how we interpret the Scriptures. And my friends, classically, I've given you uh, the... I've given you the classic understanding, conversion. This is a story about conversion, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, the tree of faith, the tree that symbolizes faith and transformation speaks to that, and he climbs up the tree, he climbs down from the tree. He stands his ground. That's another thing. Uh, we're told by Luke that he stands his ground. It means he is determined to see Jesus and to meet him, and no matter what the community says, it's going to happen. And furthermore, Jesus lets him speak his mind. Why does Jesus let him speak his mind? Here's where the translation changes. In the trans, in the English translation, it says he gives half, he will give half of his possessions to the poor and return fourfold uh, what he's defrauded. But the Greek text doesn't say that. The Greek text puts it into the present tense. And because of it, lesson changes. Perhaps Jesus is trying to teach the community something, trying to get them to a, a point of conversion and transformation because they hate Zacchaeus. And I'm going to put forth with the Greek translation, they don't like him, and they're mistaken. Why? Jesus, I think, also is trying to teach the Pharisees something because of last week's reading. That's why we never, never, never just take a line from the gospel alone. We put the totality of the books together to understand. In the Greek translation, Zacchaeus states that he does give half of his possessions to the poor. And he does fourfold, which is greater than what the Mosaic Law asks. The Mosaic Law asks for 1.25 in restitution. Zacchaeus does fourfold. Should anyone have been defrauded? He's the master. He's the chief. So any of his employees are doing bad? Malfeasance. He's already re beginning to repay back. In this alternative understanding, therefore, Jesus would be insisting that the tax collector is following as a descendant of Abraham, doing what is just. The people don't like him because he takes their money that belongs to the Roman government, not because he's a thief. In this, then, Jesus' words, he is a descendant of Abraham and worthy of my presence. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this house, meaning Jesus is the Messiah, they're not listening, and this house meaning that community. 
And no matter how we look at it, Zacchaeus is worthy of having Jesus present to him. In this, Zacchaeus becomes an instrument of grace. He moves from goodness into holiness because of his interaction with Jesus. But I think also what happens here, Jesus does not tell him he needs to stop working for the empire. There's nothing. There's no condemnation. But I believe what ultimately Jesus is going to say, if you're going to be a tax collector, be just, be holy. Do what is right. Fast forward to 2022. If you're going to be an elected government official, okay, but do what is right. Do what is just. Speak truth. Ultimately, do what is holy. See, my friends, that translation is different, isn't it? And allows for a different perspective on what Jesus was doing. And based on last week's reading, where the Pharisee goes up, me, 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 I did, I did, I did, I did. We see the tax collector. He's doing the same thing, but differently. Hello, brother. I'm done. That was your Bible study. My approach was different. If your guys are, your eyes are glassing over, so all right. I get you for one hour, most of you. So I've got to pack it in. So that I can turn to our Lord and say, I did what you asked. I did what I could with the gifts you gave me. And some of them threw stones at me, Jesus. <laughs> to which Jesus says, yeah, until they put you on the cross with nails, you can't complain. <laughs> my father's sense of humor. So my friends, uh, I hope you'll take a look at the readings again. Look, most people are, some people have asked, Father, but how is this applicable to me? I hope I've done this, showed you. The first reading says that God loves you. The spark of the divine was, is in you. He's given you a time of grace. The second reading is a warning to the Christian communities. Be careful about who comes speaking the false truths to you. And even more importantly, stay together. We need to stay together as church and not wander off. And ultimately, God invites the sinner to come back to him, as the first reading says, so nothing is lost. There will be a time of judgment, but for now, God looks at the sinner with compassion and love and friendship. Should not we be doing the same thing to help them with their transformation and conversion? There has to be that. Huh? And ultimately, do you do what Zacchaeus did? Do you receive Jesus with joy? Or do you grumble all the way up to the sanctuary before you take the Eucharist? That priest. The body of Christ. Thank you. Attitude. From the heart. Huh? I love you. I hope you'll take my words to, to heart. Take a look at the scriptures again and see how they apply to us.